Hey everybody, welcome to the My Pilgrimage Podcast. This is week seven. We're talking this week about consciousness. Another tricky word. A lot of New Agers like to use the word consciousness and it sounds a little foo-foo, but it's actually not. Consciousness is something that's being studied by scientists, theologians, and yes, New Agers, and pretty much everybody across the spectrum wondering about it because consciousness is a thing. We're going to talk about that this week. We're going to talk about what it is, what it isn't, and why it's, again, not a scary thing, but something we need to know about, understand, because it has everything to do with our ability to heal ourselves and to follow that path out of addiction and into something healthy and whole and wonderful. Consciousness is something that elevates and expands. This week's discussion in the videos from the original series that we shot in Arizona is between Ryan and myself, and it's really just trying to fully kind of get into an introduction of what consciousness is, what the thought is. Because we talk about, you hear the term subconscious a lot. We're talking about consciousness, subconscious is kind of grouped in with that. So in that discussion, you'll see us kind of trying to parse out the meanings there. The discussion that Seth and I have, as usual, gets a little mystic, gets a little crazy. Uh, again, uh, watch the whole thing. I'll come back at the end and, and say goodbye. And thanks for joining us. Um, for those of you guys who've been on this for a couple weeks, we're really happy to have you here. Thank you for, for listening. Thanks for sharing this with other people and telling you, telling people about it. And we're really, really appreciate it. Okay, without further ado, here's Ryan and myself talking about consciousness. I think some people really struggle with this idea of this being an overly spiritual or word or maybe a difficult word to talk about or con concept. Um, sometimes people really get hung up on the subconscious, like things that influence you mm -hmm. um, outside of your awareness. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're just, you know, it's interesting to explore that idea. Um, and, and I guess what I'm understanding is you, you've run into a lot of people that you feel like that's taboo topic for is to explore this idea of consciousness or awareness or there's these things influencing us that are happening, but we're not conscious or aware of, yeah. of what's, you know, shaping our life and our direction. Yeah, we talked about in, tr in the chapter about triggers that it's no longer the thing that's making me lust, it's making me sin, but it's the thing that's making me feel inside. It's the thing that's triggering the anxiety or the or the or the pain and the and that underneath thing, and we can trace that all the way back to how aware are we of what's going on inside of us. So if I'm if I have a lot of suppressed pain or suffering or trauma, are am I aware of that this thing is triggering that thing? So is my consciousness aware of that? Right. You know, you'll hear people talk about different levels of consciousness, different levels of awareness. You know, and the idea, I guess, would be that we want people to, to rise to a level of awareness about themselves internally. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Right. It's like uh, we were hanging out this fall uh, in Alaska, and we went for a hike. <laughs> Remember that day? I do. That was a great day. I don't day, know. Man. It was a great day. But it was a great day. What was, I totally get this idea, maybe even more so now, because I had just come from an experience yeah. that week where... Um, came to an awareness, you know, or it was brought to my consciousness, if you want to say it that way, that like, I was really angry, yeah. you know, and I was so angry about some stuff that had happened in the past in a relationship. Right. And it had been sitting there, you know, yeah. but I, so I, it obviously had been impacting me or right. affecting me. Right. And I found it so, I found it like remarkable and freeing to recognize it and get that out. Mm -hmm. But I also found it really interesting at the time, too, to go, man, I didn't think I was angry. Yeah. Like, right. I didn't think I was angry, but yeah. then then when I went through some processing or yeah. went through some conversations, um, you know, discovering that I was angry and how much of that anger I had held on to. Yeah. And then I started trying to unpack, like, how had how had this shaped my life over yeah. the last few years when I had been angry, right. but not expressing it, like, yeah. or not recognizing that yeah, I was exactly. angry. Exactly. Once you, you've had that level of awareness, that's now part of that consciousness and you can no longer go, yeah, I want, I'm cool with the anger. Once you realize it, you go, oh, this thing has been dictating some of my behaviors and I don't like that. I, I you know, you, you realize like now that you're aware of it, you go, 
I don't want that anymore. I don't want that to be, I don't want that in me. And that's, the, that's a, I guess you could say that's a kind of a deeper place, a deeper level of consciousness, a deeper level of awareness about what goes on inside you. The theory is that you could just keep going. You can go to deeper and deeper places where you start to understand everything that kind of goes on in your life. And, you know, we don't talk about saying, oh, we want to have all control, but self-control being one of these things is the fruits of the Spirit, this idea that the Holy Spirit helps us become more and more and more aware so we have more and more self-control. Because if anger, if the anger that you had was causing behaviors that you didn't want to have, then you really didn't have control. And it wasn't because you didn't want to. It's because you weren't even aware of it. When you became aware, all of a sudden, you gained a certain level of self-control. And the Holy Spirit has everything to do with that, helping to reveal those things and pull those out. And in your mind, you start to kind of open up and go, oh, I see it. You know, There's deeper places to go. What does that make you think and feel? Oh, it doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. Um, it actually makes me really curious, like especially after some recent experiences of I don't think I'm unwilling to recognize feelings, but mm-hmm. sometimes un, just unaware, just unable, mm-hmm. like until, you know, like over the last few years I had this, I had this desire to go to counseling because I knew there were some things I needed to work on. I just couldn't figure out exactly what they were, you know, and, and so it was like, I knew I wasn't aware of something and I was searching for somebody to help me figure those things out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew I needed to process through think through mm-hmm. and then i learned how to feel through mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah, we, we yeah, talked about that yeah, you know yeah. just some some stuff that yeah. was there so it doesn't bother me at all like yeah. i'm not as connected to the new age movement so this right. idea of conscious you know what what you're aware of yeah. your consciousness or deeper levels of consciousness like that doesn't that doesn't weird me out right. at all you know for some for some people probably even watching this video you know some people that are reading these books um It'll be a, a trigger. That word itself will kind of be a thing that kind of sticks in you. Go, oh, I just, I don't like that. I don't want to talk about that word. It's important for people to understand, you know, words can, you can use whatever word you want to, you want to use. But, uh, but consciousness in terms of our understanding of that is awareness and understanding awareness of it's an internal process. Yeah. You know, um, it's important. It's yeah, really that's, that's really funny how people get locked up on words. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like that idea, it's awareness. I was talking to my son, we were on vacation, and I was asking him if he brought a charger for his cell phone. He's like, no, we didn't get a charge. You know, I didn't bring a charger for my cell phone. He's bombed, like, it's going to die. And I don't even know how we got it there exactly, but I discovered that my son didn't understand that phones had batteries. <laughs> I'm like, son, what do you, like, where do you think the electricity electricity goes what do you think happens with the cord like why are you plugging the cord into the phone because you got to put electricity in there and i'm like in there where he's like just in there (laughs) and i'm like like son like and then you just think it's what just in there like running around you know and i don't know i had never (laughs) thought about it dad and i'm like when you're putting it in like you're plugging it up and then it's it's charging and it's charging a battery and the battery is hold the container for electricity and explain it to him and then it's like he became aware or conscious of the fact that like everything that stores electricity is called a battery you know and 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 because of that it it actually unpacks and unfolds a whole new awareness of the mechanism right right curiosity too yeah yeah and so like when you say people get bothered by this idea of like a new level of awareness or consciousness like that's just education yeah. like and we're you know it's it's and because it's about ourselves yeah. it doesn't need to be a scary deal right like it's just the exception edu- to that though you see the exception to that is if it's about ourselves and we do have a lot of things that we don't want to uncover then we have a lot of a lot of unconsciousness invested in not feeling those things that's what keeps us from going there it, that you said curiosity at the beginning. You said, you know, I, I have curiosity. That's what's necessary, you know. Curiosity and a little, just this little, good dose of courage, because to unpack that stuff and say God is with me, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to dig in and see what's in there. Um, that takes courage. You know? Yeah, but the goal is health. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like who, that is yeah, the goal. Like the goal is health. That is the goal of health. But for some, I think for a lot of people, it, the goal is. And they don't, and they're not even fully aware of it. The goal is to look healthy, 
Or know. survive? Yeah, survive. Yeah, survival, is a good, survival is a big one. Daily survival? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, man. I want to yeah. be healthy. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm yeah. curious. Like, oh, wow, what else is in there? <laughs> I, I, always, I always said when I started this process, this going down this road, I said, I want to be, you know, walk past the Victoria's Secret and it doesn't bother me at all healthy. I want to be able to be walk past the billboard, pop-up ad pops up, easily just go close it healthy to the point where there it didn't, trigger me you know that was the kind of freedom i was looking for hmm. and, I, and i was like and, I, and that curiosity when i started to learn about this internal stuff and everything i was kind of holding in and going ah, I'm, I'm gonna go after that because that that started to lead down that road of actually like oh i can find real freedom there, hmm. you know and i think that now like my level of awareness of what goes on internally has taken gotten me to a point where i see everything as an internal thing i mean everything you know like i'm i you know anybody I interact with, any person I'm having interactions with, what they're doing is not a real big concern. It's more about what's going on inside me because if I can't be with people and be centered and present with them and really listen, that's, that's an internal problem. You know, It's not what they're saying or what they're doing or how they're bothered. It's, it's what's going on inside of me. You know, I understand that it might be tough for some to, to think in terms of this word of consciousness or as you've reframed it like awareness self-awareness you know going exploring deeper within inside ourselves but um, I'm excited about it and you know really think that this guidebook and, and book can help others see new things in themselves to not only work on but work towards health with it's good stuff yeah. I think so. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, dude. Yeah, I think they're gonna absolutely. We are recording. Uh, okay, where are you? Di- okay, hey man. Uh, where where are you now? Where are you? Uh, uh, island. I'm back on the island base. Back on the island base. For island people. For our YouTube fans. The uh, yeah, man. The, on the yeah. Weeby Island, man. <laughs> you know everything. Everything is Irie. <laughs> yeah, Irie. Everything Irie on the Weeby <laughs> Island. And you out there, and you're having to. I know you guys are all just smoking weed and, and, and drinking, you know, large fruity drinks with giant. Well, the studies have shown. That's what my pilgrimage leads to. So, <laughs> studies have shown. There are, there, are lo- there are a few drinking spots along the path on the pilgrimage. I think places yeah. to stop. If anybody's walked the Camino, they know this. Raise yeah. a glass, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. We do a lot of drinking over. It's weird, man. When you're staying in Abbey, because some of the abbeys in Ireland, the old yeah. ones, like Iona and I. They still hold up the tradition, the ancient monk tradition of, of brewing. Yes. So they brew beer and they make mead. Like so, like you can get mead in from Iona. It's just right. like so we were there, and we would, you know, when you drink, when you go to communion over there. It's not you ain't drinking grape juice, baby. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but it's a tradition, man. It's a monk tradition. So yeah, do it. That's fantastic. Um, we're talking about consciousness. Uh, the video was between Ryan and myself. The conversation was about uh, us and we, and we were really just, just doing introduction to this concept of consciousness. I think the biggest thing that happens here, and I know that there's after last week's conversation about demons and stuff like that, I know there was a lot of pretty intense conversation on the Facebook page and people, I was getting lots of messages. Yeah. From people asking, really good conversation. Really, really good. good. I think that at yeah. this point it's good to address um, because we're, we're bringing up a word. Consciousness is a word that, that tends to trigger a lot of people. Um, yeah because it sounds very a new agey, um, you know, and I know that there are a lot of people kind of go, this is a new age thing. It's, it's really not, it's not our intention for that conscious. So from the define in the, in the video we're talking about, you know, I think I did a pretty good job of kind of saying it, talking about consciousness is awareness about things that go deeper. Right. And when you, and we've talked a lot in the, some of the episodes, we've talked about expanded consciousness and what that means to expand one's consciousness, one, one's awareness. And you've been talking about this sixth sense that we have, the sense that goes inward that you could say for the newly initiated, the very first kind of step into a larger kind of an expanded consciousness is just, Oh, I have a sixth sense. I have this other thing. I can use that sense to feel internally. And, and that's the first kind of, you know, kind of thing. And I think for me, it was definitely the first kind of step when, when Floyd kind of took me from this outward to inward I mean, he blindfolded me. So it like, it literally just shut off. All, you know, he was shutting off the senses, the external senses, and we were taking the inward, and it was not a, it was, it was not a painless ride, but it was, right. it was definitely that first kind of expanding consciousness. I was having a conversation with a friend of ours in Portugal this morning, and we were talking about, 
this idea of, of expansion. And I said, look, it happened quite fast for me. And, the, and I was, we were kind of analyzing that because he's saying, you know, for some people it's, it goes slower or whatever. And everybody kind of thinks that fast equals good and slow equals bad or whatever, but that's not a helpful kind of paradigm. I know that for me, there was a certain level when I, when I first opened up and I first opened up to this, this, this deeper experience, my awareness first kind of pointed, went from this external, you know, all these enemies, you know, pornography and alcohol and the porn industry and, 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 you know, jogging women, you know, these are no longer, <laughs> they, they were no longer enemies. They were just, yeah, they were just the part of this external experience. And all of a sudden I went inward. Um, yeah. I don't know something about my experience. I got it very quickly. I was very much like, Oh, like, yeah, there's this thing. And, and okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to do that now. Yep. And, and so it, very, it moved kind of quick. I've seen a lot of guys and I wanted to get your take on this. I've seen a lot of guys that, um, that that experience is just slow. It's like almost like they need to, their brain kind of hijacks the experience and they have to think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. And so they kind of move really kind of slow down the path. It's not just a, yeah, I'm just, I've discovered this thing and I'm just going to jump off the cliff, man. I'm going for it. You know, um, sure. what's your, I mean, what's your, your take on that? Man, that is the question. That is the question. Why do some people have to suffer more than others? Why do you, that's an interesting uh, way to frame that. Yeah. I, why do some people have to suffer more than others? I, I talk about, um, you know, I, I deal often with the, uh, complexity of an ego, the way egos function. Um, it, it would literally take me hours hours to talk about my actually really try to unpack my thoughts on this. And so yeah. I'm going to try to kind of keep it close because the complexity in it. And when you do this work as closely as I do, so you're working with 10 to 20 clients a week, one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one, and everybody's so different and you're working, there's a basic formula, every there's energy work and there's ego work. And it's like that for everyone, but the complexity as to how the, their relationship with their ego and their relationship with their trauma, works inside of every person is so complex and so nuanced. Right. It's, it's just radically, radically, radically different. This is why I think Jesus, Jesus taught a lot about um, just, you know, the whole sower in the seed parable was oh. like, what? they're all out there. Well, they're, yeah, they're don't so, go over it for, for those of that don't know. What are you, what are we talking about? Well, for those of you guys that don't come from the evangelical background, one of the most famous parables of Jesus, he talked about the sower and the seed. And he's basically saying when you, you know, when you're casting seed, you know, you, you, you cast seed and sometimes it lands on fertile ground and sometimes it lands on thorny ground and sometimes it lands on rocky ground and so it lands on different ground. And sometimes it lands on, you know, shallow ground and it grows up and the weeds choke it out. And sometimes it lands on and it continues to spread. Sometimes it lands on such fertile ground that it grows well and then it spreads its seed to every other area. So, and what he's referring to is like, I'm just casting seed and I, I cannot be responsible for the complexity of how, of how people receive truth. My job is to speak the truth. And, and, and that's the weirdest thing is that I can speak the same truth to this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this girl, this girl, this girl, this girl. And they all take it differently. And some of them, you know, it's like I, I had people come to me after, you know, I talked to them five years ago and all of a sudden they're going, now I'm starting, now I really need this. I've suffered five more years. Now it's time. And, sure. and we go, why wasn't it time back then? Right. Why do I, why, why will some people taste it a little bit and then like run as, run as fast as they can away from it? And then why do some people just the second they see it, they go, ah, oh, why is for you and me, did it, I mean, it took me a good nine, 10 years of pretty intense suffering before I was like, yeah. You know, okay. Actually, I want to go to that because I, yeah, I'd say that I, that, you know, when in that, in my previous paradigm, when pornography was the enemy and, and mm -hmm. there was my very kind of strict Christian evangelical Christian kind of interpretation of everything. Yeah. Um, I ask, I often ask the question, why didn't, uh, like, okay. Cause for me, right. It was, it was, I was, I went to white Raven center and there was a thing in a place with a name on it, you know? Right. And, yeah. and a guy with a paperwork and a thing. And so it was easy to go. And I've, I've seen a lot of guys do this, you know, where it's easy to go. Okay. That I couldn't, I didn't get fixed over here. This thing fixed me. You know, I went white Raven right. center fixed me or Floyd, you know, as a therapist, he, he fixed me. Right. So, right. But, cause I look back on it and I go, um, it wasn't even an option for me. Ten, I suffered for about, I was in that pretty heavy addiction for 12 years. It didn't seem like, it's not like white Raven center showed up when I was 21. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, the right. first time I got internet in the house, you know, and then I, it's like, I, there was nothing but 
that. I had to be, I had to do that. And so I, that's when I look at people and I go, look, you, each person, you, you have to do it this way because this is the way you're going to do it. And there is nothing, but that's where this whole kind of like, every time you make a choice, you change the future. If you stop right now and you go, no, I'm going to get this. I want to understand this. That you can, but you can also yeah. go, no, I, I, I wanted to let it come to me. You know, okay, well, you yeah. can do that too. You know, I, it, it's, it's so glob, it's the thing is so nebulous. It's, it's very hard to nail down because, because we still do think in terms of paradigms of right and wrong, right? We go, no, sure. Was, sure. it was wrong yeah. of me to suffer for 12 years. You know, I should have yeah. gotten it sooner. But, yeah. you know, we, we always, we, we just, we don't wrestle with that type of complexity very often. But when you do this professionally, you kind of, you kind of, you don't want to get lost in it. You know, after a while you go, oh, it seems that every soul has this time. Well, it, you know, in the scriptures say, you know, there's this one scripture that says, you know, talks about in the fullness of time, Jesus died. And, and it was like, the, there was this culmination of an, of an historical kind of evolution towards this event. You know, uh, and I think it's like that for every person. I think that they were referring to Jesus's life, not just right. all people. You know, what right. I mean? and so for my in the fullness of time, I the moment came, and you said, "I cast a demon out of myself," right. and I was like, "What?" And right. something opened up inside me. Right. But this idea, you know, Jesus is constantly pointing to this idea when he said, "He who has the ears to hear and the eyes to see." You know, let him see. If you have the yeah. ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you, let him hear. But some people will not. And some right. people will, and, you know, and, and he, and he saw certain patterns, you know, he's like, rich people tend to not see it. You know? right. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Right. It's easier for a camel to go and have a needle than it is for a trying to see the kingdom of heaven. Apparently because rich people can buy their way out of their problems as opposed to fully face them and yeah. have them trigger them like that yeah. way, you know, which yeah. is remarkable. We're going to have a guest on pretty soon to our podcast, our first official interview with a guy named Steve Chandler, who's a rich guy. And he's remarkable because he's a rich guy who came to the end of his rope and just said, that's it. I'm going for the thing that matters the most. I'm buying right. the whole field, you know, the, the pro yeah. price kind of thing, yeah. you know, and, and he's remarkable because of that, you know, yeah. because when I first, I first met Steve, he had that like, well, I could, I, I was always able to buy my way out of problems and that is over now. And he had this right. determination, which was so fascinating, but, but we, I don't know, I'm, I'm fascinated. Like, you know, to just kind of address this word for a second, when we talk about consciousness, you know, the way we're talking about it, because okay? if there's any scientists listening, everybody out there saying, you know, you know, kind of a quasi quantum physicist, they're going to get annoyed by this because when we're talking about, <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking about right. what you see or don't see. Right. And what you, as opposed to what you believe or don't believe. Sure. So it's, it's, you know, what is the thing you are aware of? So we can right. use the word awareness in right. place of consciousness, right. which is okay. I mean, that's the thing. All the work that we're doing is trying to become aware. Carl Jung says, when we do the work to make the unconscious conscious, Right. Then we've got a shot of freedom. And that's not an exact quote, but he was saying well, you know, that. And he <laughs> said, the exact it. quote is, <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah. unless we do the work of making what is unconscious conscious, it will dictate your life and you'll call it fate. Right. right. And so right. what we're trying to do is do that consciousness in, a, in the terms of if that word applied in quantum physics is referring to the core core consciousness or what would be referred to as the soul, the yeah. idea of, what is awareness? Because, you know, science is one of the big problems of science. What creates consciousness? Right. Why am I aware? But we should footnote yeah. this. We should footnote this. That if there is a phys- I know a few physicists. If, you, if there is a physicist, and especially if there's a, a quantum physicist that's listening, they're, they're, they're been annoyed for six weeks now. Because, you yeah. know, when, when we bring up... They're not listening anymore. No, no, no. Yeah, because when you bring up quantum physics, there is the, you know, there is the quantum physicist, is, it's experiments, it's science-y. It's, it's doing science. Right. And they're, they're, right. they're doing all that stuff. When we kind of... And there are quite a few like, you know, spiritual teachers out there that will kind of reference quantum physics sure. because if you read a book, uh, we re- I read this book. I think you read it too. Uh, um, uh, quantum spirituality, about yeah. the spiritual implications yeah. of the new physics. Yeah. 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 It was a, uh, and it was such a good book because it was a guy who's studied both, but he was also a theologian and he was, he was trying to kind of say mysticism as a yeah. practice has these real practical applications when it comes to you, quantum physics. You start reading physics and you can start kind of, um, you start to see the overlap. The, the Dancing yeah. Wooly Masters, the, that, that book that I read was the best, by Gary Zukov was the best book I've read on, on a kind of a complete map out of what we know of, of quantum mechanics up to the late 70s, early 80s, and also Eastern thought and the overlap. And he really was yeah. able to kind of help because, because almost like 99% of quantum mechanics and quantum, quantum physics is, is theory. Right. He yeah. feels like there's some kind of unwritten permission for you to go, well, if it's theory, 
Yeah. And, but theoretically, it also explains this thing happening over here that's been happening for 6,000 years or something like that. Then we, can, we get to play that way. And that's, I think, what you and I do a bit. If we've read so much on, on quantum physics and quantum mechanics, but we also read so much on spiritual thought and ideas and something, you start to see those overlaps. And when you, when you, especially when you see something that's truly mystic happen with somebody. Happen or with you experience yourself, it yourself. Yeah. If you experience yeah. it yourself and you go, how did that happen? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then you read yeah. something like that and you go, oh, it actually does kind of explain it. So you can go, I'll, I'll adopt that theory. Got help. That's the most useful thing I've found. And, and, I, and weirdly, you know, quantum, like Bell's theorem and stuff is like the most useful thing I've found to help explain my spiritual state. And it's a lot better than someone telling me from a religious standpoint that, you know, this is what happened and this is how you do this. And you make this prayer and you say these things. That, that makes no sense to me anymore. Yeah. Even Jesus's teachings, when I read them, and I'm, I'm applying what I've read. I learned about kind of the quantum realm. Yeah. It makes way more sense. Yeah. It yeah. makes more more sense. And you just go, Oh, yeah. because like here, you're constantly going, you remember that one? And Jesus said that, like you're talking about. And, and uh, I go, I remember what we were taught about that, but I also remember something very distinct. We, there's a, okay, and this is great because we're having a discussion on consciousness, but there's this whole set of parables that Jesus spoke on that, uh, were the kingdom of heaven parables, right? Or these, these metaphors where he was constantly giving us these, the kingdom of heaven is like this, kingdom of heaven is like that. And, and, and they were confusing as hell, right? You're always trying to understand. But, but I remember pastors growing up, they never even went near it. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't go, you know, most of them don't go near that thing because there is no religious application for most of those things. Right. You know, and the one about the, the, about the treasure hidden in the field, I remember my yeah. pastor back in the day trying to tackle that and it came out. <laughs> I remember him trying to tackle it and it really came out. Are you kind of, pastor, pastor Floyd? Uh, no, no, no. This was uh, at my church in Alaska. And, oh, gotcha, gotcha. And, and Pastor Gerald was a great guy. He's a really good guy, um, you know, a wonderful teacher and everything like that. But when they tried to tackle that, it's, it just came out more confusing because he was trying to everything. In, in, when your theology is Jesus died on the cross and that's it, done. Yeah then it's pretty hard to make all of his teachings that before he died, make those about his death. Do you know what I'm saying? Because every single thing was about his death. Um, but then he's, why would, why would he spend all this time teaching these crazy things? These amazingly de- deep kind of metaphors and stuff about the game. Why would he do that? If it was the only, the only point was his death. And, and if it was not to help us become more aware of something deeper, become to see the kingdom of heaven, like he was doing with Nicodemus. And we, we actually, um, I was talking about John three. Well, we, we did this on a, on the, on the Facebook group. We made some comments about John three when Nicodemus is comes in and he's asking those questions and he's trying, and Jesus is trying to raise his consciousness, like right, right. straight up, make him, he, make him aware of what he's not aware of. Yeah. He says to Nicodemus, you know, the wind blows and no one knows where it came from or where it's going. They only see what it's doing, right? And he says, so is everything, like, it, you know, the spirit is that way, right? He yeah, says that. He's, he's everyone born of the spirit. Born of the spirit, right. And he's trying to raise his awareness. And Nicodemus is working at it, but he's trying to do it with his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could, for sure. He's really struggling. I don't get it. How can I crawl in my, back in my mother's right. womb? <laughs> Surely right, so, I can't do that. Like, yeah, so a lot of com- my conversation yeah. with, with, with our friend in Portugal was the same kind of thing. You can see he's always trying to wrap his head around it, right? It's always wrapping the head. You know, our Mormon friend, you know, the response that he had is kind of the same thing. You know, it's like, I've I got to wrap yeah. my head around this. Um, so is that a bad thing? Is that, are we telling people like, knock it off, stop using your head. You're like, you're, you're getting it wrong. It's not a bad thing, but it's not, it's definitely not that helpful. It's a, it, it's a, if one tries to go the healing route through the ego, right? That is, that is a, that's a sketchy path. That's, and you're that's saying the head, you're saying the head is the ego. Yeah. Yeah. The mind, the thinking mind is the ego. So if, but the egos, you know, what happens is when people try to, they're just stuck in, I, I want to understand, I want to understand. And I, I get that because I'm a teacher and I always want to grasp things. But if we lead with the thinking mind, we lead with knowledge, okay, what happens or we lead with certainty where it's because the ego is seeking, seeking certainty before it goes right. into it. Right. And of course, you can't have certainty about things like this. This is why Jesus said there's one of the real tenets that of, uh, he understood about spiritual life and what he taught was that faith was required. Right. Like you had to be able to step into the unknown in right. order to right. you know, do this. And, and you have right. to be able to lead 
with courage and faith as opposed to leading with knowledge and people try to do that so often so if you try to and but the ego will do that the ego is so it's so slippery that it'll 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 jump right on the healing bandwagon sometimes like yeah let's let's heal let's do it the first thing i do with every single client and the guys that are on and are listening right now to clients of mine you know, will remember this first thing i do is tell every single one of them you, you gotta we're gonna spend 10 minutes a day every day paying attention to what you're feeling below your neck Right. Paying attention to our breath, paying attention to the sensations in the body. And you're going to do it every single day. And I tell them straight up, just so you know, this is very important you understand this. If you do this, this will work. If you do not, it won't. It won't. I just tell them that right from the beginning. It yeah. won't. I said, you'll get smart. You'll get lots of knowledge. You'll become very self-aware and you'll sound yeah. great at dinner parties. You'll be impressive. <laughs> but, you, but you won't change. That's, a, that's, the, line from, that that's the line from uh, uh, Avengers. Right, when yeah. when when Ant Man comes out of the out of the quantum realm and he's like, "Any guys know anything about quantum physics?" She's like, "Just, <laughs> just enough to have conversations at dinner parties." And yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing about it is, is most of them, you know, and and some of my clients have come out of it with that. They're just like, "Wow, I mean, you can just talk about it forever." But the truth is, like, it takes faith. You know, yeah. it's like when it, that whole I it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, pleasing God is kind of a funky term, but like the, without faith, it's impossible to actually achieve awakening. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to go into the unknown. And that was what you and I had that so many people haven't. And I, and I get it. I, I think I understand at some level because I look at people and go, man, it's just for some people, it just takes a lot more suffering than others. And, and, and the complexity of how they, hold, how they hold trauma and that kind of stuff matters. But ultimately, I think that when we refer to consciousness, we're referring to the soul like you know you know when i look at you right your body you have a body and you have thoughts and you have feelings and you have you have uh emotions and you have all these kind of things but none of those things are you they're yours you have your thoughts and your feelings your emotions your body your brain but none of them are you when we're talking about consciousness we're talking about you your core consciousness soul and that's another word that was used all the time in our childhood that was never given any actual meaning Right. You know, other, other than it, it's this thing, it's this thing that can kind of be bought and sold according to your belief systems, you know, right. but it was a, you know, we talk about don't, don't give up, you know, what good is it to gain the whole world, but lose your soul. But nobody ever told what the soul was and how you lose it and how you gain it and all that kind of stuff. We didn't even know what it was. The right. soul is your core consciousness. So the point when, when you begin to observe your feelings, observe your thoughts, mm-hmm. observe your emotions, you can notice them, observe your ego and its narratives. The one that is observing is soul it is consciousness mm-hmm. and the biggest problem in science is that they can't explain that right no one can explain it and 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 it's funny they're trying there are a lot of people and, and they'll continue time. to try until someday they do this is why science fiction is a, and mysticism is a precursor to actual science because we because people are having experiences like you and i are having experiences right that can't be explained this is why the huge psychedelic revolution is happening right now well people why soon it's going to be legalized again you know i mean psilocybin and ayahuasca and, and dmt and all these different psychedelics even marijuana that that brings people into a higher consciousness state for for a small period right. it's it's coming back because people are having experiences that are transforming their lives right. that they can't explain and science can't tell them anything and and, and right. as a result right. science will catch up give a hundred right. years and they'll be able to say they'll be able to figure that out i guarantee right. Yeah. which would be awesome it's not a bad thing it's a, i know people think that means you know jesus is going to come back and god's going to blow up the world that's not true it means we're going to it means the kingdom of god is going to become known and present in the here and now this world right. that seems to be what jesus was actually talking about um yeah that's certainly not how it's been interpreted by the the, the christian church ever since the the roman yeah. catholics kind of or the, started or the mormons or the mormons <laughs> no yeah no there's a definite um kind of this is how the future is going to play out um it's unfortunate it's unfortunate because it i think that it it again going back to awareness when we are focused on that kind of when the future i mean you and i it's it's a perfect example growing up in a pentecostal church which our mom was like this is exactly how this is all going to go down and so the real conversation was you know pre-tribulation rapture post-tribulation rapture you know what's going to happen i had this deathly fear that i was going to like get transported out of here and my cl- and like naked you know i Dude, was, that was big man i was terrified of being i was terrified of being like like <laughs> like god like me because because the whole thing was like wait i'm wearing a t-shirt and some shorts and some shoes those can't go to heaven 
<laughs> you know, I am the same thing. So we're I am going to show up naked? in heaven <laughs> naked, and and then and then I think I I remember having uh, I think probably I probably asked mom, but I remember the thought process was, oh, you won't be ashamed. Mom. You won't yeah, be ashamed of that. it. We you asked mom. Be- so wait a minute. And you don't touch the streets. They got that right. interpretation. So you're floating above the streets. You're above the streets. Naked. And no one has a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. and, and you won't you won't care. There'll be no shame. And I go, that's great. I still I don't want to do I it. Got so, and I got so worried if I got a boner. If I got a boner. <laughs> you don't and get then, and then erections this, and that in heaven. <laughs> then it led to this like, no, no, no. Because there's, there's no giving of marriage in heaven, remember? Exactly. So there's no sex in heaven. We're right. all just worshiping God. Oh, we're going to do a whole podcast on that teaching, by the way. That's the future. That's season <laughs> season two. We're going to get into, is I think, it, well, season there, two. What's it called? Is there sex in heaven? Is that it? What are you talking about? Yeah. No, season two is going to be, we're going to start tackling um, some of the more tricky and complicated things around um, consciousness, awareness, sexuality, and that stuff. So for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did have those, man, I had those fears anyway, but it's funny because when you all of a sudden you let go and you go, Oh, actually the future's not written. It's not written. Yeah. Even scripture and all Jesus said that. And, and it's, yeah. and we're, we're okay. We can, we can, we can actually have permission to visualize what we want things to be like and then pursue yes. making those. And then in fact, that's more of the Hebrew Jewish kind of way of understanding the kingdom of heaven was right. that we are the creators of that. And that experience that co-creators with God. Yeah. Yeah. And so when that's the Celtic, and that's the Celtic thread too. Celtic thing is very much the, we are the co-creators of God. And, and, and it's cool because this is where, okay. So this is when we talk about consciousness, this is where we have to talk about the double slit. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the double slit experiment in quantum physics now. Yes. yes. Okay. Now, Now for those of you guys that want to understand this, push pause, go to YouTube, type in the double slit experiment. And then watch the little cartoon video there. It's about five minutes long and it's really helpful. And there's some other ones that are longer cartoon, and more helpful. The cartoon one is really great though. If you just want to kind it of is. get the, re- yeah, yeah, yeah. Explains, explains the basics. It doesn't get into, it doesn't get much get into interpretation. Okay. Because right. like anything else, what happened was there was an experiment. It showed this weird thing. And then ever since then, ever since then, all of quantum physics has been built off an attempt to interpret and understand that thing. Right. And what it was basically was an experiment with, they were light. using yeah. particles, yeah, light, and they were shooting photons through a slit, and then watching how it ended up on the back wall. Okay, now go push pause on your podcast, go watch that, and then come back so I don't have to explain the entire experiment. All right? Okay. Go. We'll wait. We'll wait. For All right, it. you're back. I'm gonna grab. Right, no, I'm gonna back. grab something to drink. Hold on. Right. <laughs> okay, they're back. They're back. They've okay. watched the double slit experiment video. And they've watched the double slit, and welcome to the world of quantum um, and, and then we understand now. <laughs> yeah. Now we understand now that there are interpretations of the double slit experiment. One was called the Copenhagen interpretation, which also has its many interpretations of the Copenhagen interpretation. Right. There was one known as the many worlds interpretation, which is now known as multiverse theory. It gave birth to multiverse theory. But the idea was this. The question was this. It seems that my observation of matter changes matter. So if I, so it's saying that when I observe matter, mm-hmm. it becomes particles right and when i'm not observing it it becomes waves and then we ask waves of what waves of infinite possibility is the best description that we can come up with with thus the whole many worlds interpretation so multiverse theory is based off this idea that everything is fluid basically and my attention is what makes it matter so that so that, that's why there are theories and it's really good books and interesting you know, it's all theory, of course, but there's some really cool theories being put forward. The idea that consciousness creates the universe in real time yeah. so that each individual is, is creating, you know, creating the world of their existence, which is, you know, of course, led to things like the law of attraction, this idea that if I think it enough, right, because we're talking about I give attention to a certain reality. I want to be a gajillionaire driving a Ferrari and I, all my focus is on that every single day, thinking, 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 feeling, 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 doing the work, getting all the blockages out of me, all that kind of stuff. And then sh- I can actually make that reality mine. Uh, right. That's where a lot of the, uh, what's known as prosperity doctrine comes from. A lot of this idea is something they kind of godify it, you know? It's like, right. you know, it has something to do with, you know, there's, there's that kind of, but right. it's really Joel, Joel Osteen kind of stuff where you're just like, if you right. just, your, your thoughts are powerful, if you're super, super, it's funny because right. when you, when you do uh, godify it, or <laughs> it's a good word, godify it, um, or when, you, I guess when you commercialize the idea, it sterilizes it in a kind of a funky way in that, in that, Joel Austin's whole thing is about the power of thoughts and, and positive thinking. Right. And 
but we never sit there and explicitly say that that is a spiritual, that's a mystic principle is what he's talking about. It is. It's truly, it's a completely mystic principle. Yeah. Yeah. But, but when you do it in front of, you know, a mega church of 40,000 people and you're doing on TV and you have a great suit on somebody and you're saying it, it's not like there's a, it's very difficult for the practical application of that to go how, okay, well, how do you, how do you do that? And so I guess my question for you is since we, we, we don't have a ton of time here. My question for you is how do I, I mean, quantum mechanics is all is great. I'm sure there's a few guys listening that that are going to go, you know, or a few people listening that are going to go and read a bunch of books on quantum physics. And I'm sure, and I'll put in, I'll tell you what, I'll put in the show notes. I'll put some recommendations for some yep. books that Seth and I recommend. If you want to kind of understand some more of this stuff that are really helpful from both a sciencey standpoint, you know, if you want to read Stephen Hawking, you know, or if you want to get into, you know, the, the you know, the dancing Willie masters, the Gary Zukov stuff or Deepak Chopra, you know, um, yeah. But from from this standpoint, how do I then? Because all of that's great, quantum physics, great, you know, Ant Man, all of it. Um, how do I get from there to actually applying something, you know, to my own life? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. Is first is and we have it helps if we're starting at square one. It helps to acknowledge, you know, conscious subconscious, right? The idea that. We, our whole goal is to open up to our unconscious. That consciousness is an awareness of everything that everything that actually exists. Everything as it is. When you only live in this kind of conscious world, where where you think your thoughts are you, then you're just kind of scrambling to survive, and you're and you're being you know again where he, what what uh, Carl Jung said when he said, you know, if we don't do the work of making the unconscious conscious, right, the unconscious dictates your life. And then you call it fate. So you're up here going, ah, oh, I just, I'm just really unlucky. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. She I know. left me again. Yeah. It you sucks, know? man. It just sucks. Yeah. 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 It happens all the time. You know, she, you know, I'm on my third marriage, you know, I just, women don't like me, I guess, you know, and, and instead of going, <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, why? You know what I mean, why that's, that's the great yeah. thing is when you can start to recognize those patterns that you get there all the time. It's just the way he is. That's just the way that guy is, you know, I'm like he's an a-hole. He was like born an a-hole. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, and we just kind of label things and say, yeah, but if, so we can do the work of making what's unconscious conscious, right. then we start to actually, we actually start to work. But again, you know, Carl Jung said people will do the most absurd things to avoid facing that shadow. Right? right. And so that's why, you know, we do when a lot of the work that you and I are doing with people is we could call it shadow work. We're actually kind of working into what's unconscious and what is dictating this and what is asking to be medicated. These kinds right. of things. And so that's, that's really the work. When we talk about consciousness, if you want to, if you want to trip out on quantum physics, have, have a ball, but don't let your ego hijack it and turn it into an intellectual thing where it's like, if I can just under, if I can master quantum physics and read every book and, and then I can, I can get this. Nothing, no. nothing replaces experience of right. just actually dead silence. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, the irony, that's the great irony of it is like you can read it cause you're curious about it and you can know it, or you could just go out and do it. And, and you can mm-hmm. end up, you can end up like Niels Bohr and just go, Hey, we're not going to, we're going to stop trying to explain it. We just know that it works, right. which is, you know, essentially that was the Copenhagen interpretation was like the theories work. We're never going to be yeah. able to explain it. Let's move on. You know? And that's right. Right. And that, yeah. that was an incredibly uh, mystic kind of thing to do, you know? And you, right. and right. right. So that's why yeah. there, yeah. there are a lot, there are, there is a branch of, of actual physicists that are, and then doing mystic work, you know, and you, you know, yeah, yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them, and more and more, to be honest. And it's and it's because yeah, I think that's because at the core, at the core, everyone wants to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I think all quest for knowledge is to try to create joy, happiness, and peace in our lives. And so when someone keeps going and going and going, whether it's philosophy or science or religion, whatever, and you're still not happy, right? Then after a while, you go, what am I doing? Say Pete, Pete Rollins was like this, where he's this extremely intelligent, extremely educated philosopher. And I remember watching a talk that he gave. And it was interesting being a friend of his and having hung out with him and knowing him a bit. It was interesting to watch him get nailed down by a Q&A. But he was doing a Q&A at a, uh, it was a very prestigious school. I think it was like Princeton. And he had all these philosophy students. And, and of course, a good philosopher has a good self-critique. That's very important. You can't. Yeah. You can't right be taken seriously if you don't you can't critique yourself your own philosophy right. and somebody asked him well what is your self-critique and he just totally skirted the question and the guy finally goes hey hey you didn't answer my question what is your critique of yourself you're saying your philosophy is you can't be happy and that happiness is accepting that you can't be and he's right. like so what's your self-critique and then he said it's not working and I'm like what's <laughs> not working he says he said my 
philosophy. I've asked my philosophy that you can't be happy to make me happy and it's not working. I'm still unhappy. And it's wonderful. That type of honesty, right? It's yeah. He's going, yeah. yeah. Because, but ultimately, because ultimately that's what every person wants. Every person. Right. Wants. So every quantum physicist on the planet, when they get home and it's three o'clock in the morning, you know, and they're staring at the ceiling, they just want to be happy. <laughs> and they are you know staring I mean? at the ceiling. They're going, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So How much you, do we you know, pay get, for that Hedron Collider? I don't know. And yeah. it's still not. And, and I'm not saying that there isn't happy quantum physicists, but, but the thing is, right. it, it is still personal experience that drives us forward. You know, when you, I mean, I used to hang out with Ryan Meeks. Ryan Meeks went through this really intense uh, atheist kind of period. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, after he deconstructed as a Christian, and now he's, he's this unbelievable mystical teacher. He's a fascinating, powerful, intelligent. I don't know. I just, I could listen to him talk for hours and hours and hours. But he has this. I remember taking walks with him and he was just like, nope, that's it. Five senses. This is all we got. Nothing else. And I'm going, holy crap, man, this must make you miserable. No, I'm really happy. He wasn't, you know, there was anger. There there was all kinds of stuff there. And, and as he's opened that up and he's finally gone, okay, I'm going to open myself up to this bigger world. You open your body up to God. And it says, it just, it'll just, it'll just absolutely, you know, um, transform your experience of your life. And, And that's all that matters, man. Oh, the last, so the last, last thing I want to do before we go is I want to talk about humility a little bit. What, it's, not, it's not an emotion. What is humility? It's a virtue. It's a characteristic. Um, uh, I would say humility is a stance. So you just, you just, okay, a stance. And you just noted the, yeah. the power of Pete Rollins being able to have self-critique. What is your... Um, where, in terms of your consciousness and your personal awareness, Seth Taylor's consciousness, his, your, your level of consciousness, and not, not from a hierarchical standpoint, but your level of consciousness, where are you and where, where do you want to go? Where do you feel like you still haven't seen it yet? Um, okay, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I desire unity consciousness. Okay, like what Buddha, is what, Buddha, Buddha level, like right. where, where there is no, there's literally no there's zero fail. You want to be, you want to be Neo. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I want. And I, and I want, you know, the idea of enlightenment, you know, I mean, there's lots of debate about when did Jesus reach that kind of enlightenment, God consciousness, you know, you know, when we talk about the cross, you know, and the idea that the cry of dereliction, my God, my God, you know, why have you forsaken me? Like what happened after that inside of him? What happened before that? What happened in the desert? What happened in Gethsemane? You know, these right. different events of this transformation of his own self. You know, the Buddha would live so much longer than Christ, you know, after his enlightenment, he was around for decades, you know? And so, you know, there was, there, it's a kind of a deeper understanding. We have a deeper understanding of the nature of enlightenment from, from the Buddha than we do from, from Jesus. But I, I definitely desire that. When I, when I was still in a period where my ego had a lot of attachment in me, I was very scared of the idea of enlightenment because the ego is starting to lose its grip. It feels like death. It feels like you're losing yourself and you're losing your identity and you're losing your sense of yourself, right? The, the self, that's why the Buddha talked about the self, like, you know, this false sense that we have who we are. This is why Jesus talked about death so much. So like dying to self, taking up the cross, all that kind of idea. Those teachings are about the death of the ego. And most of us have a period in our lives. And a lot of people that are trying to come through my pilgrimage trying to find freedom are in a period where they believe their ego is them. And the loss of that, now I've come to the point where I've lost uh, most of it, a lot of it. But what's weird is now I'm facing, there's this whole different level. We can go, oh, there's a whole entirely different level to go into. Mm-hmm. It's, it reminds me of so much of sports and stuff. I remember with poker when I, I got pretty good at poker for a while and I remember thinking, I'm really, really good. And then I came to a point where I was teetering on this edge. You're looking over the edge going, oh, there's, there's this, it's not hard to go, become a good poker player. It, it, it takes decades to become a great one. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And, you know, it's the same thing like, like most things. You know, you think, it, once you think you've got something, then you start to realize how little you actually get it. And that's kind of where I'm in at now where I'm going, well, you know, there's, there's a whole different level of, of consciousness that, and I want it all. I really do. I, I don't know why I feel that drive. I, I, I want it. And I think it's because you start to realize that you're just, when you, the higher level of consciousness you go to, once your ego has really subsided, it just, it's more and more and more joy. It's sure. more and more bliss. It's more and more beauty. It's more and more transformation. It's everything. Sure. I, that's really what I want. So it's, but do you, you know, do you know, um, do you know Kung Fu? <laughs> 
I don't go through. <laughs> a part of me does. A part of me does. I believe that deep down inside. I don't know how you can get there if you haven't learned kung fu. You need to load that uh, that program. <laughs> this is funny, right? Is every 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 pop culture thing that has something about enlightenment, you know, it has all this violence attached to it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like it's Matrix really or, the, or it Jeb, is, the Star Wars, you know, that kind of stuff. But isn't that kind of why the third Matrix film kind of kind of left everybody feeling deflated because it dropped the dualism at the yeah. end? It was like, yeah. everybody's going, wait a second. You're supposed to beat the Somebody bad guy. Somebody has to win the war. Somebody yeah. has to win the war. At the end, it just it ends in this stalemate in which they go, hey, well, yeah, this is great. Let's just do it like this. We're cool. Yeah. And I remember at the time when the, that film came out, you know, this is before I had my kind of uh, awakening or whatever. Um, I was totally disappointed. I was like, that, that is so unsatisfying. But now I look back and I go, oh, that's so brilliant. That's so good. Right. You know what I mean? Because we just studied, just stop fighting. We're like, oh, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, and that's and that's that's the thing, man. I stopped fighting a while ago, and my ego is, is a pretty well-trained animal now, and it's definitely still there. Um, yeah. and can't get I have certain can't get rid of it. I have, I have certain things in my life that, that are very intense catalysts for growth, and and they're constantly digging me deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm at the kind of point where I just my life, my main practice is surrender, just always surrendering to letting yeah. it just drive me deeper and deeper. Um, that's the goal, man. Take it as far as we can go. Well, that's good, man. I think we'll kind of, we'll leave it at that. It was a, it was kind of a good discussion. Um, I, uh, yeah, I appreciate taking the time. So I guess the question that we leave with is where are you at right now? Where's your consciousness at? Where is your awareness and where isn't it? Where is the place where you're saying, I need to become more aware. I need to grow and expand in this place. Ask those questions of yourself. Bring that into your practice and prayer and meditation and even exercise when you ask, I want, am I not aware of? That's what we're trying to say. Because awareness, expanded consciousness, that's the path we're on. And once it begins, it's a snowball. It continues. You really can't go back. And you don't really want to. That's where the healing, that's where all the joy, and that's where all the peace is going to come from. So, thanks for joining us this week. Next week, we're going to get into sexuality as connection. We're going to get into some kind of deep stuff. We're going to talk a lot about theology around sexuality. And we're going to talk about orientation. We're going to talk about attraction. We're going to talk about magnetism and the whole idea that sexual, what sexuality is other than just this kind of animal act that, frankly, the porn industry kind of displays it as. It's so, so much more. So thanks again for listening this week. We'll talk to you next week. Aloha.